everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, what are you drinking? Water. What are you drinking? I'm really slowly sipping like less than a finger of Four Roses bourbon. It's a weeknight. I just want to warm up a little bit. I'm basically having like a baby glass. That's all right. Yeah, I'm You enjoy you. You're an adult. I am an adult. You're the adult that enjoys a little bourbon when you get home from the office. Yeah. When I get home from the office. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been, friend? We 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 haven't been as consistent this year. What's fun is we knew we weren't going to be consistent at the very beginning. Yeah, we we were consistent during last NWSL season, and then this year we both got busy. I was in France, and you were just busy, and yeah, it it fell by the wayside a little this season. But I was in France. You were in France. You are now a professional sports journalist uh, maybe for a month who gets all expenses all expense paid trips around the world uh, well are you going to japan next year uh you can talk to my bosses about that well let's assume you're gonna go to japan next year i have just enough sky miles to pay for a one-way boston to tokyo uh like delta top tier plane ticket so the kind where it's like you have your own little suite and talk here. Yeah, the those those suites that where like the seat folds down and you have a, a bed, yeah, like a door and a TV and everything, and like there's probably like a bathroom on the plane. Or I could fly round trip for free. Go for? How many in, miles? Uh, like a hundred and twenty thousand miles or something like that. I'm almost there. Jesus. But I could do round trip basic economy almost for free so do i want to go one way there in style and pay out the butt to come back or do i want to be able to get there and back you know for very little money it's a long flight well this is where your employer should be helping you too we're we're talking about it negotiations are ongoing right speaking of negotiations u.s soccer lawsuit it continues apace. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we're we're playing that game tonight, huh? Right. Well, the national team in US soccer are playing that game because their latest fight is about class certification and I don't know, I think some people will find it boring. The interesting part of it is that in order to fight back against U.S. soccer saying, you guys can't certify as a class because some of you are too different from the others because some of you have made too much money. Um, the players responded with, okay, here are top paid players under the women's rubric and under the men's rubric and under the men's, like applying that formula, we would have made like three times as much. Of course, they're like, yep, you know, picking numbers and time periods that are most advantageous to them. But, you know, in these time periods, yes, they could have made three times as much under the men's rate here. The interesting part for us is we got to see the top four paid players and what they made from March 30th, 2014 through October 7th, 2019. And the highest paid player in that period appears to have been Carly Lloyd, who made a cool $1,204,049.64. Not too shabby, Carlos. Yeah, Alex, Megan, Carly, and Becky all apparently made over a million dollars in this five-year period, which sounds like a lot, and it is, 
but like for an athlete, a mil a million bucks or like a little over a million in a over five year period, so that's two hundred thousand dollars a year. Meh. When you put it like that, it's like oh, okay, right? Yeah. Well, and here's and here's the other thing is over that five year period, they also won two fucking World Cups. True. True. Two World Cups. Now, part of that, obviously, is FIFA's fault because their World Cup prize money is crap. And then, you know, they distribute it to the Federation. The Federation takes its little cut and distributes the rest to the players, which is why countries like winning the World Cup, right? If you're a men's team and you win like $34 million for winning the World Cup, the Federation is like, nice, we're going to take a little cut of that and the rest of you will share it amongst yourselves. For the women's team in 2015, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't great. I feel like it, it was a couple it million. It wasn't great, and then it like and then it like tripled this year, and yeah. it still wasn't great. No, it was like two million, and then it tripled to like six or eight or something. It's like yeah, four or five million dollars this year. I want to say, uh, yeah. CNBC said the prize money is thirty million, but the winners take home four million of that. What? Yeah. So $4 million, you assume U.S. soccer takes its little cut, so it's less than $4 million spread amongst... 23 players. Probably probably the alternates, too. And coaches. Co- yeah, don't forget coaching, coaches. coaching staff. So let's say that uh, $4 million divided up amongst, like, 35 people. There's probably even more than that. Um, that comes out to... 114,285 per person, but we know it's not going to be distributed completely evenly. Um, some players are probably like right. in tiers, and higher tiers will get maybe more. And then coaching staff, like, yeah, of course, Jill Ellis is going to get the biggest bonus. Um, hopefully, Don Scott actually got the biggest bonus, but who knows? That would be amazing if Don Scott got the biggest. She's like, we both know who got us here. She's got the power. You know, you have these these numbers go up and they look big, especially compared to everybody else. But one of my least favorite arguments is, you know, everybody else gets paid so little, so you should be grateful for what you have. It's the whole, like, no. there are children starving in other parts of this world, so be grateful for the dinner you have. And it's like, well, you know, just because I have more than a bad situation doesn't mean I'm in a good situation. It's one of those things where I don't think U.S. soccer is going to get it until the courts make them understand it because um, U.S. soccer doesn't. I fundamentally believe U.S. soccer does not want to to make the women's game a higher priority than they already have made it. I think they look at the trophy case. I think they look at the acclaim. They look at the um, status that you, the women's national team has already established and are saying, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're, why would you need more money? Look what you're already able to accomplish. I mean, they talk a good game, but they're an institution, their management and combining that with, we just don't know what leadership's actual attitude is towards women in sports. And my default position is like 
social conditioning is a hell of a thing to try and beat. We all have it. And I don't know that all of them have thought hard and deep about, you know, what are the social and cultural factors that go into how I perceive female athletes and women's sports in general. I just don't think that... Are you talking about leadership of U.S. soccer? Yeah, I just don't know if any of them have done that reflection where you're like, are my attitudes being influenced by, you know, cultural misogyny, which is everywhere, no matter how, no matter what you do. And that's what we mean by like institutional misogyny, right? It's just embedded Uh in the fabric of our society, whether we like it or not. And people are aware of it to varying degrees, but we're all inundated by it all day, every day. So to a certain extent, our reactions and our beliefs are being shaped by these things. And it takes a lot of confrontational self-examination in order to interrogate how we arrive at who we are. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know that anybody at the top level of U.S. soccer has done that level of introspection. they like, well, we helped the women win a World Cup. We're great allies. Do you think Sobs is going to change that? I think she's not going to hurt, probably. Yeah, I don't know if we've actually talked about her appointment yet, her getting that that job mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the impact that that could potentially have. Um, I think U.S. soccer is in a really interesting position because while they're listed as a nonprofit and they're, um, you know, on a bunch of little kids' kits all across the country and they are one of our country's biggest um, advocates for growing the game and all that stuff. It's like some of the stuff is fundamental of are we really growing, you know, for them, I think it's are we really growing the game for little girls the same way we're growing for little boys? Are we still supporting high school athletes, collegiate athletes, professional athletes in a similar manner through our development programs? And they, they just need to, they need to evaluate that. And I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that um, Kate Markgraf getting that gig is going to have an influence there. Yeah, I think everybody's initial reaction was pretty positive. But since then, we have no information to go on because it's still the middle of the coaching search as far as we know. Although the last game against South Korea, when they cut to her watching and like drinking her bottle of water, they were like, can she hear us? Do, do you know who the next coach is? And she just kind of had this coy look on her face. I think they know who the next coach is. Or at least they know who the you know next the top two or three candidates are. I think maybe they're, sure. they're probably watching how the rain do very closely. Like, when do you think that that coach is going to get announced? I know that they... They now that Jill is is through with the victory tour and and all of that stuff, do you think that oh we should start we should we should place a, a gentleman's wager oh on when we think they would announce? So if I were U.S. Soccer, well if I were Kate Markgraf anyway, I would want there there are two pre Olympic events next year that I think are going to be really great opportunities for a coach to get their feet wet. One is Olympic qualifying which will probably be in the early part of 2020, very early, so January, and then She Believes in March. Those are your two big chances to run the team through tournament conditions, uh, especially against good opponents because they'll have to face probably Canada and or Mexico for qualifying. And then for She Believes, obviously, they invite 
really top level people. Uh, other teams that are going to want to prep for the Olympics too, maybe. And before they hit Olympic qualifying, I think I'd want my coach to have at least one friendly under their belt. There are two friendlies in November. There might be some more in December. So I would guess we would know the coach by the end of November. By the end of November. So you think that they're going to play those two November friendlies using An somebody coach? else? Yeah, an interim coach, mm-hmm. they could. Mm-hmm. Or or they could announce after the NWSL championship, and they're just waiting so that they don't take attention away from whichever team that coach is with, if that coach is currently with an NWSL team. Yeah, if, it's, if it is an NWSL coach, I mean, could you imagine? Um, I wonder if it were an NWSL coach, though, if they would also just not be engaging in, like, like the final round of negotiations or something like that until after. So I don't, I don't know. When you said that, I was like, Ooh, it could be at the final, but then I'm like, ah, it wouldn't be at the final. It would be like a few weeks after the final. Right. I wouldn't want to interview somebody while they're preparing for semis and a championship. Cause how rude, how rude way to make this about you. U.S. soccer. Uh, so actually, maybe I'll shift that to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Beginning of I'm November, they'll announce. Before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, I said beginning of November. Ah, fuck! I was trying to get mine in before you. I mean, you said before Thanksgiving, or uh, as we maybe should be saying, Indigenous Peoples Day. But yes, before before. Or is that they changed Another Columbus point. Day to Indigenous People? They can both be Indigenous yeah. People's Days. They they don't they don't need to have just, just one. Call, I just call that day Turkey Day because I eat turkey that day. Right. So that gives you a range from like November first through twenty seventh, and I'm just saying the first, the early part of November. We're talking like the first through the ninth in that range. Do you want to take the rest of November? Okay. Well, no, I don't. I don't think that's where we could split November. Okay, I'll take the 1st through the 13th, and you'll take the 14th through the 27th? Yes. That way we both get 13 days, I think. Yep. I will I will take the 14th through, yeah, the 27th. Okay. I'm on it. Okay. I'm I'll on just both soccer. be wrong. I'm, I'm writing <laughs> it down do here. Dirty. Okay. And then... This is our first wager of the season. This is actually a pretty good way for us to slide into our next topic, which is, you know, reports that U.S. soccer is trying to pull out of NWSL. We knew it had to happen sometime. We knew it had to happen sometime. So the question is, like, is now the right time? What is this pullout going to look like? What is U.S. soccer currently doing with NWSL? Subsidizing player salaries. Um, right, probably, and I, I think that's going to continue, right? Hopefully. Also providing personnel for the front office. I think that's probably the bigger detangling or like the first detangling that might happen where NWSL puts their own people into place and the league starts to run itself without input from U.S. soccer. But the deallocation has to come uh-huh. too because as long as U.S. soccer is giving NWSL all this pocket money, they're going to be able to pull the strings and be like, these players should be available to us anytime we want. If it's not a FIFA window, we don't care. Send them. So do you, so you see a future where U.S. soccer does not 
subsidize Tobin Heath's salary. Right, because the teams will theoretically be able to pay a Tobin Heath-level player on their own. I don't think they should cut the league off cold turkey, but maybe they could find a way to structure it so that they go halvesies or something before they actually just yank out. Or they could condition expansion teams coming in to have like a bigger financial buy-in. I don't know. Or they could tell the league, you need to find some big corporate sponsors and hit these benchmarks and then we'll be ready to phase out. I don't know. I, like, is it U.S. soccer? So here's here's the role play issue I have with all that is that's all of that is U.S. soccer creating conditions so that they can pull out of NWSL. Do you think that there's a reality or a world where NWSL is saying, OK, U.S. soccer, we don't want you? Interesting. Yes, but I don't think that reality exists for another at least three, four years, just from a financial point of view. I mean, they need a fucking front office first. Right. They need a front office. They need all our teams to start, you know, not necessarily approaching Portland level, but start being comfortable. Uh, The teams that I would worry about are not the teams you'd think at first. I think Sky Blue is going to be okay. Now that they brought yep. on LaHue and they demonstrated some proof of concept at Red Bull and they're pretty much assured to leave your sack and the players seem a lot happier. What a turnaround. But I would I would be worrying it's a 180. 180 from last season. Yeah. I would be worrying about Houston and Orlando. Mm-hmm. I think those are teams that have not been providing results. I don't know that Houston Dynamo front office cares about the dash. I, the sense I get is that maybe Orlando at least cares more about their women's team. I'm not so sure about Houston. The sense I get is Orlando just maybe has a bit more pride about <laughs> like they don't want to concede failure. And I have a feeling Houston is just going to be like, okay, cool. We tried a thing. It didn't work. Who wants to buy this club? Right. Like, I just hope that they're, that the buyers that, you know, I think we started this season kind of hoping that, that there would be a 10th club to join, knowing that, you know, everybody's saying, no, it's not going to happen this year. Like, do we think expansion next year goes to, if U.S. soccer pulls out, and what that ultimately looks like. Does expansion, is expansion even a thing? Are we on Rocky Roads again with like ESPN? Um, what does that do for Budweiser? What does that do for any other corporate sponsor conversations? There's just so much at play right now. Right. <sighs> I really want to see what happens in this offseason sponsorship wise and TV deal wise. This league has got to get on TV more. They have to. They need the ad revenue. They Who need has the. They need the TV deal. You know. I I I really wonder if Amanda Duffy's gonna last much longer in this role. I really wonder. She's just so invisible. You just don't know what's happening with the league. Not even for on a day to day basis. I don't think we're gonna get that. But like, what are the broad strokes we're looking for? She's just such a master of, like, the bland non-answer. I mean, we didn't really see Amanda Duffy do much before NWSL. Right. You know what? We'll so get ch- maybe this is her style. I think maybe we'll get a chance to try and pin her down at the NWSL championship. She's got to be there. She was last year. So 
we'll, you know, ask her some tough questions, get some bland non-answers back, and continue to worry. Continue to be frustrated. I mean, are you a sports fan if you're not worrying? <laughs> Something? Uh, I dream of the day. I dream of the day when I can be a sports fan, and uh, I just, I just, you can't be anything. Okay, here's here's my deep thought of the day. Okay, you can't be anything if, if in today's society you can't be anything if you're aware of what's happening to other people. Like if you have empathy. Yeah, like you can't be just content. Oh right, there's too much bad stuff happening that if you think for a second there's just about. Too much- there's just like there's just too much happening in the world to be to find content anymore oh. like you find pockets of it like oh i'm watching my favorite movie i can be content for two hours mm-hmm. before it all and comes then rushing back anxiety. in yeah well that's thoroughly depressing you want to talk about the semifinals and the championship <laughs> Sure. Well, uh, so we've got our four teams. We just don't know where they're or who is playing whom yet. Is it right. whom or who? It's who is playing whom, I'm pretty sure. We have our Who's one. Who's playing whom? Right. We have our one and two seed. Um, but Portland and Rain are still going to figure out who's three or four, which I'm sure is nerve wracking for you. You'd rather play Chicago or North Carolina? Oh, fuck. I would rather play Chicago. <laughs> I would rather play Chicago in Chicago than play North Carolina in North Carolina. Like playing in North Carolina back to back weeks, I think has got to be a logistic logistical nightmare for some of these teams right now. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're, let's say that the let's say that the rain play North Carolina and win, and they are going to an NWL championship, do they fly back to Seattle to then fly back to North Carolina in three days? Oof. I don't know. Do you just pack do you pack a week's worth of suitcase? I'm sure there's Do you have go bags ready in your apartment? I'm sure there's actually probably sports science on is it better to reset in your home time zone and fly out or to just like minimize your travel time in the air? Like what is optimal for an athlete's body? But I don't know. But that's that's rough to go from North Carolina to the Pacific Northwest twice in a week. Well, we've got Orlando Pride versus Rain, and then we have Portland versus Washington. And of the two, I think the Rain are probably more likely to beat Orlando than Portland is to beat Washington, but those are both games where, you know, there's probably a team you'd say is more weighted to win than the other. But the Spirit kind of made, like, this this surge, like, they're in fifth right now. I'm not but sure anybody... Orlando is dead last. They're not even close to Sky Blue. They're 15 points and Sky Blue's at 20. No. So even if uh, Orlando wins and Sky Blue loses this weekend, Orlando will be in last place no matter what. So congratulations on your first round draft pick, like your number one. I mean, unless there's an expansion. An expansion. Or they trade it for... to get a known player because yeah. I don't know if Mark Skinner is entirely comfortable with the college draft yet. He talked about it a little mm-hmm. bit, I think at Red Bull, like a, a couple interviews ago. And he did mention like when he first came to this league, obviously he had to come up to speed. It's like every non U S coach, right. Who comes to this league. They're like, well, I'm not very familiar with the college system. So I'm not going to be good at the draft basically. 
<clears throat> Mark Skinner, that's that guy has put his foot in his mouth quite mm-hmm. a bit recently, eh? Yes. I, I spoke to him when Sky Blue played a, at Red Bull and Orlando was there, and he came through the line. He shook everybody's hand in the mix zone, introduced himself very politely. And the thing about quotes is they don't necessarily include tone. It's the same with Carly. Like, they both speak in this very measured, reasonable way. So when they're speaking in person, you're like, oh, it's not, they're not saying something that's so crazy. But when you see it written, like, plainly in text, you're like, that sounds crazy. So some of it is that, (laughs) and some of it is that Mark Skinner said he's, you know, doing art. So, you know, little column A, little column B. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm doing art. Uh, I think that my game is just much more beautiful than other people's and I'm like yeah that's cute and all, but like at the end of the day aren't you supposed to try to win <laughs> they are at a minus like, 29 goal art- differential minus 29 some Boston Breakers numbers right there pal <laughs> um, are you having flashbacks oh, well I don't I don't stand for the pride so no I'm just like oh sucks for pride fans <laughs> Let's go, oh, Sky no, Blue. We're not last. We're not last. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, what a what a good result for Sky Blue based on you know where they were just at the beginning of the season. But the pro, like, I want somebody. Somebody should be doing a deep dive, like expose, research paper thing on Orlando and what, how the fuck how, can they not find figure out chemistry? Right. I think it doesn't help that Alex Morgan was in and out all season long. Like, she, even after the World Cup, she was clearly not 100%. She was tired. Everybody was fucking tired, and she had a little injury on top of that. She picked up something that was keeping her out, so she's out. That's why she didn't play for the national team, either. Um, They were relying pretty heavily on Marta, but she's getting older. She can't do it all on her own, even though God knows she tries. And I think Skinner... No, didn't have his best use of personnel, and I don't think he was too wild to the formations. He was doing some pretty standard stuff. He just maybe wasn't a very good coach for this season. I think for me, it's just chemistry. Like, there's some sort of chemistry thing missing from Orlando. Mm -hmm. I don't want to call it, like, a, a chemical reaction per se, but, like, there is some sort of spark that needs to happen within a club for there to be like the motivation or for there to be the like desire yeah i mean i think that's fair that's fair uh psychologically managing your team is super important as paul riley very well knows oh my god (laughs) oh god do you want to talk about the other english manager who says wild stuff to the press as well Sure. Let's let's speculate about potential women's national or women's uh, U.S. women's national team coaches. Oh no! I I, I heard uh, his his I heard his manager put him on the short list. Phil Neville. Yeah. Ah, I like that the (laughs) um top theory around how his name got floated for the national team is that Phil Neville probably floated that to the press and was where he was like, "Oh, I oh totally." He told his agent to tell somebody like he doesn't want the job and it's like but you weren't phil's phil had a little tanty recently like yesterday tell me about it 
yesterday as we were recording anyway this is wednesday that we're recording where um england has had a couple of friendlies lately and then tuesday night they played portugal and won but it wasn't like an easy win or anything um and you know the press has noted before that he had like a a five game losing streak happening and then apparently one english writer pointed out hope powell also got fired after a similar losing streak i mean that she had apparently also lost the locker room but she asked a question and phil neville just spits back you want me sacked didn't you that's what you put in your article the other day you wanted me sacked and i know that we had a request for me to do this in like a mank accent, but I don't dare. I don't dare. <laughs> I've been waiting all day. That's what you put in your article the other day. Nope, that's not. That's like almost wherever Paul Riley's from. It's uh. Oh God. I I watched like an article. I watched a YouTube video on mank pronunciation, and like I kind of. I think I can identify the accent if I heard it, but if I try it, I inevitably like slip into this Jodie Comer Liverpool kind of accent or like some Jordy slips in there. And I think that would be bad. That would be bad for everybody. I would enjoy it. I think you should try it. I think you should read the quote. Anyway. And just try it. The writer denied it. And he's like, yes, you did. I read it. I read it. And it's like, Phil, first of all, that's you admitting you read press about yourself and the team, although I guess that's natural. And second of all, no, it's on the record. That's not what she said. And so he just had his little tanty and then has been saying all kinds of oblivious stuff about how he thinks the team is doing really great, where in everybody else is looking at the team using their eyes and being like, where, though? Philip, where? <laughs> when you guys play FIFA? Yeah. And then you combine that with his previous quotes, with that one where um, he was like, I have a vision that no one else has. I've got bravery that no other coach has. So thank you, lucky stars. He bought into his own hype. Hardcore. He hardcore bought into his own hype. Um, there was no reason for him to single out a journalist like that and... You know, you do wonder, like, if it had been a man, would he have been like, you wanted me sacked, didn't you? We will never know, but I don't know, maybe we will if a man Oh, it similar. was a female journalist? Yeah, it was a female journalist. I didn't realize it was a female journalist. Yeah. Which, once again, we're, like, we live in a misogynist society, and even if Phil Neville, like, in his active brain is like, I support women in and around soccer... In his little lizard, societally conditioned brain, he could be like, you know, I feel more comfortable snapping at a woman because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable with the same level of confrontation with a man. You know, I'm not saying that's what happened. We sure. we can't know for certain unless like a male journo asks him the same thing under the same circumstances. Who knows? Maybe he'll have another big losing streak and it will, but... You know, it is something that occurred to me. Well, and I think it's interesting um, with him, him, how he handles criticism, period, and how he handles uh, not a positive light and just the way that he defends himself or he, he 
I don't, I don't know if I'd go as far as say like lashing out, but like he's, he gets a very defensive and um, that's not going to be great in the locker room either. I think, I think there's, there's a risk in putting that in the locker room. Um, It's just another example of an underqualified dude, maybe floundering a little bit in the women's game. It was interesting because I interviewed former Breakers head coach Lisa Cole a couple weeks ago, and she had she gave me a, a quote about Phil Neville that kind of summed him up, where she was like, um, instead of taking a qualified woman or a woman with experience, we have Phil Neville. I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. I'm not saying he's doing a great job, but I'm telling you he's learning on the job. And she, mm-hmm. her point was, like, you think someone's going to hire a woman and let her learn on the job, especially for the England national team? And that's the difference. Like, it would be fine if Neville That's had, a huge difference. Yeah, if he had become, like, an assistant coach to someone else who was experienced, maybe. But he's taken on this job, he's put on his little silk waistcoats, and gone around spouting about how everyone should be lucky to have him. Mm. You hate to see it. And then gets pissed when somebody calls him out on his record. Exactly. When someone points out, Phil, actually, you lost quite a few games. This one was tough to win. You know, what do you think about that? And he's like, you just want me to get fired, don't you? Men are so emotional. He sounds like a really happy person. Men are very emotional. You know this. They can't handle high-pressure situations. It's why they shouldn't be coaches. Mm, Oh, the soapbox I want to hop on. (laughs) Anything that you want to wrap up with? I mean, we didn't really talk about Jill. I don't really have a lot to say about Jill. I have very mixed feelings about the whole thanks Jill thing. I think Kim McCauley. But I don't know. Do you do you want to go there? I think Kim McCauley kind of summed it up on Twitter, which was she appeared to be not the greatest coach, but at the very least, she seems to be a nice person. So, (laughs) and I don't think she ever particularly lost the locker room. I think part of that is that the players who were responsible for Tom Sermani leaving kind of phased out. And maybe there were newer players who weren't as comfortable taking that kind of action combined with the older players are like, well, we used up our one get out of jail free card on Tom and we can't do it twice in a row with jail. We just got to ride this out. Combined with her being like, there are a lot of strong personalities in this room that I have to navigate, so I'm going to do my best to manage them. So even if on the field she wasn't great, off the field she clearly did something right. It caused me to reflect a bit on, uh, you know, how she handled the whole hope situation. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, had she handled that differently, would she have kept the locker room? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of her first gauntlet thrown throwdown of like, look, I'm not putting up with the same shit that that the veterans have been doing. Mm-hmm. All I can say is, you know, she seems like a nice lady, and she's got a, a nice family. She likes animals, so she can't be all bad, right? Not all bad. Mm-hmm. No, I think she was good. She, I think she was a good person to use the tools. Uh-huh. I think she got a lot of good. She had a lot of good coaches surrounding her. Um, like I think thinking of her as the manager and managing all of those things, she did a good job at. But 
She also had her weaknesses. I think that's fair. It's although it's something you can say about any coach, right? Like they had their strong Absolutely. points and they had their weak points. And you know, Jill Ellis is a human woman who has strong points and weak points. That's that's, that's that is a very good book that I would read. It's a very neutral book. <laughs> Reminds, is a very neutral well it reminds me of futurama where that they have that neutral planet where they only say neutral things um and they don't feel strongly <laughs> yep. one way or another and it's kind of like i don't feel strongly one way or another uh i think it's an exciting time now that she's decided to step down and we might get someone in there who's maybe a little more tactically inclined i hope she enjoys her yeah. peacocks and her family tactically inclined I think tactically inclined, I think um, I, I would almost want somebody who is also it's hard. It's hard to put a finger on it because it's not like the players didn't like her. Um, nobody ever said they didn't like her or acted like they didn't like her, but you didn't really get the feeling they were playing for her. Mm hmm. It, like she wasn't the motivation. Right. It felt a little bit like, well, there's nothing wrong with her, but what's right with her? Yeah. Right. As a coach, anyway. It's like the players had more to play for on the pitch, and she just had to, like, direct them. <laughs> yeah. Just... And steer that energy, which is great when you have motivated players like Megan Rapino and Becky Sauerbrunn and... Um, Lindsay Horan and... Carly, yeah, Carly Lloyd and Alex Morgan. Like, when you have this crop of players. But I think a big challenge, like, and Jill Ellis has always had this crop of players... Um, so I think the big challenge for her is going to be okay, or I'm sorry, not for her, for the next coach. As this team transitions and we continue to get younger and younger players, what does the personality of this team become? Right. And that's why I like Blacko as a pick, because I think he's good at spotting talent and developing them up and integrating them with the senior team. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My last thought is... Don't fucking jump barriers and run on the field at players. And don't post video of it and act like it's cool. That's it. It's not cool. They don't get paid enough to deal with your bullshit. And it's going to make it so that in the future, they're just going to lock down security. And, you know, the players are going to be behind a plastic barrier. And, you know, that's it. We get to enjoy, like, a closer relationship with these players. But that's only if we're all cool about it. So just be cool about it. Don't run on the field and like cool. if you run on the field, honestly, you should be banned. I'm not saying for life, but like you should probably be banned for like the next several years for many national team games. I think you should be banned from sport for a few years. Mm, interesting. Well, you obviously can't be trusted. Just everybody gets your mug shot. You can't be trusted to act like a yeah. reasonable person. So, you know, if you can't act right, then you don't get to go to games we all participate in a social agreement whenever we go out in public and we abide by the rules of that social agreement and especially when you go to a venue you have to god it's just it's the rules people need to understand the rules and you're not above the law but so many people think they're above the law and it's just it's the society we live in well someone was like she's a teenager we're her parents and i'm like when I was 10, I understood it was wrong to hop over a barrier and run at somebody. Like, I understood what a barrier meant. 
You know what I'm saying? I understood yes. that like nobody yes. else was running onto the field, so I was not allowed to run onto the field. So there's really no excuse for this kid who looks like she's at least what 14, 15, maybe. Just don't act like a fool and stop being fangirl like stop fangirling. Stop fangirling in front of them and we can continue to have nice things. Just be cool. I'm old enough that you and I are both old enough that we remember Monica Sellis, right? Yeah. That was fucking scary. And it's not like there's never been any other bad incidents of fans or crazy people getting at athletes since then. But yeah, Monica Sellis is the big one that I remember. That shit was a scary. I mean, I was just a kid. Nope, but... That was scary. What's, what I find extremely scary and have for now seven years is the very, very lackadaisical security at NWSL matches. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw the field Both security. inside a... stadium and outside stadium. Yeah, at a national team game, security was completely bamboozled. They just were like, oh, another person on the field. Allie Long had to take off I after. I mean, Allie Long is security. Mm. Security! She's a bouncer by trade. But, yeah, I kind of want to know, like, did security lead her out? And I really don't think... I know Carly was on the spot, and she was like, oh, I would just probably... She probably just wanted to de-escalate and get that kid out of there. But I really wish she had not engaged with this girl at all. But, you know, once again, security did nothing, so what could she do? She probably handled it well, the best and she could. It's- and thinking about what sort of training or support are the players getting about how to handle these situations. Which really fucking sucks, but, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. just the reality of their lives now. Hey, you know, I love being in Portland and casually getting coffee next to pro athletes mm-hmm. or walking, you know, by them or whatnot. But, like, they're just people, dude. Yeah, let them, go, let them go about their day and be, you know, just let them be people when they're not on the field. You're absolutely right. They're just people. 